Hosea chapter 6, God willing, will be expounding verses uh, 11 through chapter 7, verse 2. Hosea 6, verse 11 through chapter 7, verse 2. The title of the message this morning is, Harvest Time is Coming. Harvest Time is Coming. Now, we've been studying God's announcement of His judgment upon the Jewish people here and upon their nation. He likened them in the book of Hosea. uh, He likened their sin to that of a harlot who commits fornication with men she's not married to. And as a, a whore commits fornication with strange men, so Israel had been committing fornication with strange gods, false gods of the nations around her. By serving them, those idols, those fake gods, instead of the one true God who created heaven and earth. So in verse 10, where we left off last week, God said, if you look in verse 10 with me, I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is the whoredom of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Now remember, being in a state of sin and disarray, the Jewish nation had been divided into two different kingdoms at this time. Sort of like a family squabble, you know, and how, the, how it gets divided. And so when God said that He had seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel, He was talking about the northern half of the Jewish kingdom, which was called Israel and sometimes referred to as Ephraim. Uh, it was the most liberal kingdom of the Jewish nation. And, uh, and Judah was the southern kingdom. But lest Judah think that she was going to get away with her sins, unless she thought that she was not part of the problem, as Israel was, the northern half, Hosea told her in verse 11, Also, O Judah, he hath set a harvest for thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We love you so much. God, I thank you for getting me here this morning and answering my prayer. Let me be here to teach Sunday school this morning and, and preach your word and see these precious children sing. I pray for each one of them this morning that they'll all come to know you as their God and Jesus as their Savior. I pray for any here this morning, dear Lord God, who do not know that, who do not have the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. I pray they will before it's eternally too late, and we're so grateful that they're here. Lord, I pray that you'll teach us this morning in your word. May all eyes be on you this morning as we listen to what you have to say in your scriptures. Give us the understanding we need, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in verse 11... Hosea, the prophet, said, Also, O Judah, he hath set in harvest for thee. Now the language here uh, in the, the, the scriptures we're looking at this morning is a little bit um, difficult to understand at first glance. And how many of you all have had children that had especially little girls and their hair was tangled? Yeah. And when you want to untangle the hair, you've got to start at the scalp, don't you? And you just take that comb and you just work it through real gentle light to get all the tangles out. So God willing, what we're going to do this morning, we're going to take the context of, what, of, of, of the, the passage that we're reading. And with that context, we're going to take it like a comb. We're going to lay it up against the scalp of God's Word here that we're reading 
And we're going to work that context along these scripture verses to work the tangles out in our minds so that we can understand exactly what God is saying, okay? Because he says, also, Judah, he has set a harvest for thee. And again, that language might seem a bit confusing. Why would God speak about judging Israel and then suddenly look to Judah and say, and I've got a harvest for you too? Did you know the vast majority of Bible teachers, the vast majority of Bible uh, commentators, and the, and the vast majority of, of modern Bible translations believe that God just interjected this wonderful promise of a great harvest for Judah right in the middle of this terrible cursing of Israel. Like he's talking about curse, 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 blessing for you, Judah, curse, 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 curse. It's not what happened. It doesn't fit the context at all. But the vast majority of, of, of people believe he injected this wonderful promise to give Judah a great harvest for the kingdom of God, a great harvest of bounty and plenty in their land. But again, that doesn't fit the context at all. And I believe they're deeply mistaken. When God says, also, O Judah... He, that also is connecting it back to what he just got through saying about the judgment he's going to put upon Ephraim or Israel, right? You and also you. <laughs> and, and instead of saying you, but not you, Judah. He's not doing that. He's saying also Judah. So he's including Judah in the wickedness that he saw in Israel, in the judgment that would follow. And by telling them that he has set a harvest for them, He's telling them that he has also appointed a time of, of harvest for them as he had for Israel. And the harvest that he's referring to here is not talking about Judah going out and harvesting their crops and having a bunch of food and bounty in their land. He's talking about God harvesting them for judgment. Now, outside your margin here in, the, in your Bible, write down when he says, Also, O Judah, he set a harvest for you. Write down in your margin, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse, 50, verse 33. Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 33. And we got that up here. For th Let's listen to what Jeremiah said. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon, is like a threshing floor. Now, what does threshing have to do with a harvest? Are they connected? If you know anything about agriculture, they are. He, said, he says, uh, the daughter of Babylon, or the people of Babylon, is like a threshing floor. It is time to thresh her yet a little while, and the time of her harvest shall come. You see that? And so... When he's speaking about judging Babylon for her sins, he's referring to that judgment as a time of harvest when they would thresh the grain. Has anyone ever threshed grain in here before? Anyone? No, y'all are a bunch of cattle people here in Texas. Bunch of cattlemen. Y'all ever seen grain being threshed? Raise your hand. Have you seen it being threshed? All right. That helps. Well, I've threshed grain on a small scale, but I've done it. If y'all saw my video this year, I grew wheat in my backyard. I, I grew it up. I threshed it. I winnowed it. I ground it. Tammy baked it. But then I ate it. 
made some good, good bread. But I, I've threshed grain before, and I can tell you that it's a violent process. And I did it both ways. I would take my wheat that I grew in my backyard this year. I would take it and I'd beat it, beat it, beat it, you know, and try to get the grains to come out. But finally, I mastered it. And I got me a ninja blender. But not with the metal blades, the plastic blades. And it's a violent process. You know what? What happened when I got through? All those grains had fallen from the chaff. The wheat and the chaff were separated. And then I took it out. All I had to do then was winnow it. Raise it up. Blow it. Put a fan on it. Blow it. Whatever. And then the, the chaff and the, the, the wheat are separated. But that's, the, that, that's that threshing process where that grain has to be beaten out. And so that's what he's talking about here. When he's calling uh, Babylon a threshing floor. He said, man, I'm about to come there. When they, they take all that grain out and they beat that grain he said, that's the way Babylon's going to be. I'm going to come down and give it a beating. I'm going to come down and thresh Babylon. I'm going to give him a good threshing. Now, we use that language today, don't we? Maybe not quite so much, but I'm telling you, when I grew up, it was very common to say to a child, for example, hey, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to give you a good thrashing. Notice the difference between thrash and thresh? Did you know that's the same word? Thrash and thresh is the exact same word. It's all the same as saying pecan and pecan. It's the same thing. How many of y'all grew up saying pecan? You did, Miss Sherry? Anybody else? Miss Sherry, you got right with God on that, didn't you? You've repented on that, huh? You call it pecan now. But it's the same thing. Thresh. And thrash is the exact same word. It all depends on where you're from. So when you were telling your child, I'm gonna get, or when your parents were telling you, I'm gonna give you a good thrashing, what they were, and they may not have realized where the language came from, but what they were really telling you is, I'm going to take you like a stalk of wheat, and I'm gonna beat. We'd say beat the sense into you. But what you're threshing is, you're really beating the grain out of them. All right? I'm going to beat the grain out of you. You're not going to be anything but a bunch of chaff left over when I get through with you. So you either say thrash the grain or thresh the grain, all depending on where you're from. So God is saying, Judah, your time's coming too. I've appointed a time when I'm going to also give you a good thrashing. Another translation, a modern translation of Hosea 6.11 words it this way. And as for you, people of Judah, I have set a time to punish you also for what you are doing. And the King James translation, as do most, says, God has appointed this time of harvest for Judah. Look back in your text. When I returned the captivity of my people. Now here, we're taking the context and we're going through the scriptures here, all right? When I returned the captivity of my people. And, and, and if you're King James only... Uh, you know, please don't take offense to this, but this is an incorrect translation here, okay? The translation is, is broken down grammatically incorrect, all right? And I love King James. It's all I preach out of. But we're going to be honest with the Scripture because we want to do honor to God's Word greater than we want to do honor to translators 
who translated God's word. It's better to, to, to obey God than man. And here he says, I've appointed you a time of thrashing too when I returned the captivity of my people. That doesn't make sense, does it? I think it's very obvious that the King James translation here is incorrect grammatically here because how can he say, I've appointed a time for you in the future and I've appointed that time when I return the captivity of my people in the past. One's future tense, the other's past tense. That they, they, they don't jive. They don't go together. Grammatically, it doesn't work. Also, I want you to notice there's a change of pronouns here. So not only do we have a change of tense, I've appointed a time, future, and the time of, that I appointed in the future is when I delivered your captivity in the past. That doesn't work. Next, I want you to notice there is a change of pronouns. This is the biggest thing right here. Watch the change of pronouns here. When I return the captivity of my people, at the beginning of the sentence, the pronoun is what? Huh? He. I didn't realize y'all were such English experts. Very impressive. The pronoun is he at the beginning of the sentence. And now as we're getting toward the end of the sentence here in the King James translation, what's the pronoun? It doesn't work that way, folks. He and I are two different things. He is God, and it's Hosea speaking. Hosea speaking, he has done, he's appointed a time for you. But now I is who speaking? This is God speaking, okay? And so... I can't sit here and be talking about Brother Shepherd and say Brother Shepherd is going to take Sister Becky home after church when I went and played football a while back. That didn't, wouldn't make any sense, you see. So this, that's what we have to look at here. The problem is the translation is, 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 is all, almost right. The punctuation is totally wrong. This is a brand new sentence here when you have the word in, uh, a win. The word win is a brand new sentence here, okay? And so, um, the, the translators put the period in the wrong place. Now, remember, when, when translations were made, there was no periods, okay? They didn't have periods. That's English, Alright? There were no periods in the original languages here. So they stuck the period in the wrong place. And because of that, they, they got this wrong. But instead of having a comma after the word the, and a period after the word people, there should be, or should have been a period after the, and the word when, W-H-E-N, should begin a brand new sentence in which God, not Hosea, is being quoted Okay, so think of the word when as the beginning of a brand new sentence here. After Hosea said that God had appointed a time of thrashing for Judah, God then comments on what Hosea just said. When I would have returned the captivity of my people. That's how it should be translated. Not when I returned... He hasn't returned the captivity of his people. How do we know? He's talking about punishing them, not bringing them out. When I would have returned the captivity of my people, now 
turn the page if you have to, or look on down to the next chapter. Watch the context here. Chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 7, verse 1. Read it with me. When I would have healed Israel. You see all that? So here's what's happening. He says, also Judah, he has set a time of harvest for you. He's going to give you a good thrashing. Now Hosea stops speaking and now God is going to be quoted. And now God's saying, when I would have returned the captivity of my people. When I would have healed them. You see how that goes together? That's what's happening here. And so he, he, he says here, uh, 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 in response to the time of thrashing and the wickedness that he's seen in Israel, God's not saying, this is not what, uh, uh, God, I'm sorry, God is saying, this is not what I wanted for my people. Hosea is saying, God's going to give you a good thrashing. God's interrupting here saying, but that's not what I wanted to do. That's not at all what I had in mind for you. I wanted to return your captivity. I wanted to deliver you from the bondage you're in. I wanted to heal their land. But when I would have returned their captivity and healed Israel, look back in your text, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. You see how that goes together? When in my heart I would have came to Israel's aid and I would have made them such a great and mighty nation. And I would have healed them from the, 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 the ruin that they brought themselves into because of their sin and because of uh, uh, their leagues with these godless nations when I would have done that. And that's when I discovered how deep they were in. Then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. God wanted to heal Israel and make it prosper, but Israel wasn't cooperating. God would have healed and blessed Israel, but Israel wouldn't put themselves in a position where God could heal and bless them. Instead, they put them in a position that demanded that God judge them. Do you know what God wants to do with our nation right now? By the way, how many of y'all really, really, really appreciate Bidenomics? Just raise your hand. I mean, you just praise God for Bidenomics. Me either. About six years ago or so, I told Tammy, I said, you know, when, when I turn this particular age here, I'm gonna, I'll take some money out of my 401k and we'll build a, we'll build a new home and all this stuff, you know, and, and uh, take the one we have, maybe Abel will want to live in it or something, you know. And... Uh, now, I couldn't even afford to buy my house. If you've got your house paid for, I do. I've got mine paid for, thank God. I pay mine off. But boy, when you see that tax bill come in, and you see the appraisal on it, tell you what, I couldn't even afford to buy my house today. But you know what? That's not what God wants. When we read everything that happens with Israel here, it's not a history lesson as much as it is a history example. God's saying, that's not what I want for America. This isn't what I want for y'all. Or this isn't what I want for Russia 
or Ukraine or wherever they're oppressed. This isn't what I want for the world. But when I would have healed them, when I would have stepped in and delivered them from the economic oppression, from the famine or from the disease or from whatever they had, that's when I see their sin. And instead of giving them the healing and the deliverance that I want to give them, I end up giving them the judgment they're crying for, they're begging for, because of their stubborn rebellion. That's what was happening here with Israel. He said, that's when I discovered the, the iniquity of Ephraim, look back in your text, and the wickedness of Samaria. And Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom of Israel. I want you to underscore in your Bible, take your pens and underscore the phrase, I would have. I would have. It was God's will to bless Israel. It's God's will to bless America. It's God's will to bless your home. But it wasn't Israel's will to let them. It's not America's will to let them. How do I know? America's teaching our children there is no God. America's saying, you, God has no place in politics. God has no place in the classroom. God has no place because there is no God. And a nation like that can't be blessed by God who wants to bless them. They're in denial of His blessing. And Israel was the same way, worshiping these false gods. Now, Calvinists will tell us that everything that's done is the will of God. That's not true. It's not true at all. It doesn't follow the Scriptures. The Bible doesn't say that. The Calvinists say, oh, well, it was God's will for Adam to sin. It was God's will for Israel to sin. That's how he gets glory. No, the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. God would rather have obedience than have a sacrifice. And that includes his son. It wasn't, it wasn't Israel's would let them. The Calvinists say, well, everything that happens is the will of God. There are some things that God would like to do. But the insistence of rebellious people to exercise their own will gets in his way. Not that God can't over, overcome any obstacle or anything like that. But God's not going to bless your sin. He's not going to bless your rebellion. He's not going to do it. Could a judge, if I was in, in a courtroom and I was guilty of murder or fraud or whatever. I was talking to a man last night about fraud. They had to fire someone that was working for him because uh, she was committing fraud. Let's say that I was the one that committed fraud. And I'm standing before the judge. The judge says, did you commit that fraud? Yeah, I sure did. I'm going to do it again. I like committing fraud. Now, does the judge have the power to dismiss my case? Yes. They say, oh, case dismissed. So the judge has the power to overcome my, my will and bless me instead. And say, oh, he's glad. Case dismissed. So the, the question's not a matter of God's power. It's a matter of God's integrity. It's a matter of His holiness. And so, when, when I'm telling you that their stubbornness, God and God, the will, God's will's way, 
I'm not telling you that they overpowered God. I'm saying that God's integrity would not allow him to bless them in their sin. And, and the Calvinists need to understand this. God said, I would have healed Israel's rebellion, but Israel's rebellion uh, uh, demanded God's righteous judgment instead of his blessing. Listen to what the same God that's speaking here, the same God who says, I would have healed them, uh, when I would have healed them, when I would have uh, uh, returned their captivity, then I discover their iniquity. Look, that same God is speaking in the New Testament in Luke chapter 13, verse 34. Luke chapter 13, verse 34. When, when God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus created the world. He is God in the flesh. When God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, listen to what Jesus said to the same people God's talking to now, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets, and stonest them that were sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. God saying, when y'all were all dispersed because of your sin and the, the enemies came in and they drove you out of your land like a chicken, there's so many times I would have gathered you together under my wings like a chicken's brood and I would have protected you and kept you safe and warm. I would have done it. I would have done it so many times. How often I would have done it. But you wouldn't do it. Ye would not. People say, if Jesus died for everybody, how come everybody's not saved? Not everybody will come to Jesus and believe on Him as their Lord and Savior. That's simple. He would, but they won't. I would have, but ye would not. Listen to how one translation breaks down Hosea chapter 6, verse 11. Breaks it up into two sentences just like I described. And watch how smoothly it flows and agrees with the surrounding verses. It words it this way. People of Judah, your time is coming too. I, the Lord, would like to make my nation prosper again and to heal its wounds. But then I see the crimes in Israel and Samaria. Everyone is deceitful. Robbers roam the streets perfect harmony of the scriptures in the context. God said there was wickedness in Samaria. Look back in your text. For they commit falsehood. Do you, that, that was the number one crime in the nation of Israel was falsehood. That was the great wickedness God saw. Do you know what destroyed Israel? A lie. Do you know what destroyed the, uh, the, the, the human race in the Garden of Eden? A lie. Do you know what's destroying America today? A lie. We're saying this is a man. This is a woman. And they're not. We're saying there is no God. You're the God. And we're not. They're saying, oh, we, we came up through evolution. God didn't make us. We made ourselves over millions and billions of years. And it's a lie. It's falsehood. And it's ruining our 
land. This morning we were talking about uh, how we used to go to high school and or go to school and we drive our vehicles to school with shotguns in our backs of our pickups, just hanging up in the. Jesse, you still carry a shotgun around your pickup? No, he done killed all of them. But we used to, we used to, you know, keep them hung up in our pickups. It wasn't anything. I was never once afraid at school that one of my, you know, one of the kids were going to kill me. Never once afraid. But you know why? Because almost every single person believed that there was a God who would one day hold them accountable. Almost every single person believed that we were created in God's image and because of that we were very special. And almost every single person believed the words, Thou shalt not kill, really stood for something. Really stood for something. Not anymore. Not anymore. They say, no, that's a lie. There is no God that said that. For they commit falsehood. They are following lies. They're teaching lies. They're deceiving one another. Instead of teaching the people about the one true God in Israel at that time, they were either teaching them about the false gods or they were perverting the true Word of God. And God was not about to bless those lies. I've told you all before. I'll tell you again. When uh, my dad had an old saying, uh, uh, he said for many years, when, when people come and ask him for money, he says, you know, if they're not living right, he's not going to give them any money. And he gave the analogy. He said, if someone says, I'm trying to, to go to, uh, I'm trying to go to, you know, Tyler, and they're in Athens, and Tyler's east of Athens, and they're, they're headed west, he's not about to put money, uh, gas in their car because he'll be sending them in the wrong direction. And it's the same way here. God's not about to bless these people when they're going in the wrong direction. He wasn't going to bless their lives. He was going to fill their tank up and send them off the wrong way. They committed falsehood. Look back in your text. They committed falsehood and the thief cometh in. Now, now that should ring a bell for us for a, to a very familiar passage of Scripture in the New Testament. Because Jesus said, the thief only comes for one reason. And what's that for? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That, yes, that's one reason. Three descriptions of one reason. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. Bible teachers are supposed to teach the truth. And if I teach the truth, it'll keep the thief from coming in. If I teach you the truth about Christ, it'll, it'll keep the lie from coming in and stealing and killing and destroying your souls. I teach you about Jesus, and Jesus says, He that believeth on me shall not perish but have everlasting life. I start teaching lies. I start telling you, you get to heaven by your own good works. I start teaching something that's wrong. And when I do... The lie comes in. When the lie comes in, the thief comes in. And when the thief comes in, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. Some of the biggest churches, the most wealthiest churches, the most popular churches right now are not prospering. They're actually destroyed. And they're bankrupt spiritually. Yes, they have money in the banks, but they don't have truth in the church. And that's where the value lies, is in the truth the church has in its repositories. 
Bible teachers are supposed to teach the truth and keep the thief out. Political leaders are supposed to enforce the truth and support the truth and keep the thief out. Here's a kingdom truth for you this morning, if you want to write it down. The truth will never steal from you. A lie will never give to you. The truth will never steal from you. A lie will never give to you. You base your nation on a lie, your nation is going to lose. You base your family on a lie, your family is going to lose. You base your school system on a lie, your school system is going to lose. Again, the devil told Eve a lie and it stole her life. God gave us the truth of Jesus and it gives us life. Here's another kingdom truth for you. You can't let a lie in without letting the thief in. Just not possible. You can't let a lie in without letting a thief in. Oh, I've heard the people... When all these people started coming over with all these different religions, and I remember back, I think it was in the 80s, especially the 90s, I remember all the people saying, it's a good thing that we have these different religions being taught. It's a, diversity strengthens our nation. I remember hearing that. Diversity strengthens our nation. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Diversity doesn't strengthen not if, it's, not if it's a lie. Listen, I, I don't... If, if your doctor's operating on you, if you need surgery, how would you like it if, if you're getting willed into surgery? Anyone got surgery scheduled any time in the future? Anyone got surgery scheduled? Nobody? Well, that's a blessing. Almost all the time they are. But y'all been in surgery. Most of you have. How would you like if you're getting willed into surgery... And they introduce the anesthesiologist to you. And they say, well, and, 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 and the surgeon comes in. He says, now, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'll be performing your surgery today. And, oh, hello, doctor. Hello. And he says, and, and along with me, I have so-and-so. And he calls the name out. And you look over there, and there's a man with a bone stuck through his nose. He says, he's a, he's a witch doctor that we flew in from Africa and we just thought diversity would strengthen our surgery program here. And so the anesthesiologist will be performing the beginning of your anesthesia. But the witch doctor, he'll take it over from there on out to the conclusion. And he looks at you with a big old smile with his face all painted up. And he rattles some bones in his hands. To assure you everything's going to be okay. And then they got some faith healer from, from, from South America, and he's up there, and he's, and he's going to perform a, a, a special kind of surgery as well. And, and we're going to have all these diverse things. One person's over there saying, I'll be sending you good thoughts. Now, how would y'all like to have a diverse surgical program like that? No, thank you. Why? Because the, the, the true medicine is truly based on, it's not Fauci science, it's true science. It's based on, we know what blood pressure needs to be, we know how medicine works, we know how surgery works, we, we know how the human organs work, we're going we're to perform what we know works and has tested and seen and witnessed it. The other is just wacky stuff that's not real, it's not true. It's the same way spiritually. As a nation, listen, 
I don't want diversity when it comes to spirituality. I want truth. If the witch doctor was true, I'd want Christianity out. But if Christianity is the truth, I want the witch doctor out. Make sense? It's only being honest with ourselves. And the Bible is God's word. It is God's truth to man. I studied every religion I could get my hands on. So I could learn what the truth was. And after studying all these religions, I came to one conclusion. I found what was the needle in the haystack. And it was the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for me and rose again to give me hope over the grave and forgiveness of my sins. But you can't let a lie in without letting the thief in. And folks, a nation that lives on a lie will have its blessing stolen by the thief. And that's what's happening to America today. We've kept pushing the truth out, inviting the lies in, and as the lies come in, the thief comes in. They were stealing on the inside. Look back in your text as we close, and the troop of robbers spoileth without. Remember last week we learned that the priests were likened to the troop of robbers. Remember that? So they had cast off God's Word. The religious leadership of the nation had cast off God's Word. And the nation was suffering because of it. Wherever lies reign, the people are oppressed. Whenever lies are in charge in a nation, the people are always oppressed. And Israel was oppressed right now. But wherever truth reigns, the people are blessed. An oppressive nation is always a lying nation. There is no nation on this earth that oppresses its people in the name of Christianity. None. Not, not true Christianity. There is no nation that oppresses its people... In the name of the gospel. Oppression always comes based on a lie. You look over there in North Korea. They teach people that uh, Kim Jong-un and his ancestry that they were gods. You know why they don't want Christianity in China? You know why they don't want it in North Korea? You know why they don't want Christianity in America? It's very simple. They want to keep the nation in bondage. And the only way to do that is with a lie. Lies are the tool of an oppressive government. And they use them to steal from their people and keep them in bondage. You know, when Elon Musk uh, purchased Twitter, we learned just how big tech and the federal government were working together to censor information. It was terrible. Information that, that, that was available to the public and they censored it so it wouldn't get out. Why? Because they want to control the nation with the lies. They label the truth today as misinformation. Have y'all noticed that? They take the truth and they'll label it as misinformation and then they'll keep the people from hearing it for their good, for their safety. We want to help you. We're, we're with the government. We want to help you. If people follow the Bible, they won't see us as the final authority over them. That's really why they don't want Christianity reigning in the United States, why they don't want Christianity reigning in China or North Korea. That's why they persecute people that follow Christianity. I got to be heard. 
I'm almost done. I tell you what, I'm better than Energizer Bunny, Brother Doug. I outlasted it. They don't want the people hearing it. Because if they follow the Lord God and His Word, then they're going to see God as the one final authority, His Word is truth, and their allegiance is going to be to Him. So we'll teach their children that there is no God instead. And you, you know what I saw? Used to when I grew up. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. When I grew up, you'd see a sign for the Marine Corps. You say, we're just looking for a few good men. You know what I saw the other day? You see a sign for the Marines now? It'll say, find a purpose bigger than yourself. How many of y'all have seen that? Find a purpose bigger than yourself. Anyone else seen that besides me? You have, Sister Elizabeth? Find a pr- That means something. That rings in my ears when I read that. Because back then, they would have never said, find a purpose bigger than yourself. Because as a child of God, they would have had a purpose bigger than themselves. But when you push God out, you need a bigger purpose. The Marine Corps is it. The government said, we're your bigger purpose. The government is. And once there is no God in their mind, we'll be the only God they have. Where truth reigns, there is liberty and blessing. But where lies reign, the lies are lifted up, the people are oppressed, and wickedness increases in the land. God said, this is what Israel's doing. Verse 2, And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now they are, now their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. And this is where we close. God says they're doing all this and they're not realizing, they're not remembering. I'm watching everything they're doing. The people in Washington, D.C. right now, They think they can get away with anything. And you know what? As far as this world is concerned, it kind of looks like they can. But you know what? They're not considering there's a higher authority than the corrupt attorney general. There's a higher power than the executive office. And that's the throne of God. Well, we don't have the Supreme Court here. Supreme Court's up there. God says, I'm watching. I'm remembering. There's going to come a day, folks, as God told Judah, I've got a harvest for you. God is telling America, you better look out because I've got a harvest for you as well. With that, we'll go ahead and close.